Hi, everybody. I'm Keith H. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. When I arrived at the doorstep of AA, I didn't I didn't have a God to help me with my fear. I tried to manage fears myself and had very little success. That led to more frustration, more reasons for drinking, and sort of this perfect destructive feedback loop that became my chronic alcoholism. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia. As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day, we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration. We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much to Jeff Bame of Frederick, Maryland for editing services and helping us get these episodes out the door. Hey, Lee, who's in the studio today? So today is May 9th, and we have Keith H. here from Leesburg, Virginia, in with us today to talk about the daily reflection for today, which is walking through fear. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. It is indeed great to be here. Fantastic. Well, we get started in the same way every day. We ask the guest to get us started by reading the daily reflection for the day. Keith, would you get us started? I will. This is uh, May 9th, Walking Through Fear. If we still cling to something we cannot let go, we ask God to help us be willing. When I had taken my fifth step, I became aware that all my defects of character stemmed from my need to feel secure and loved. To use my will alone to work on them would have been trying obsessively to solve the problem. In the sixth step, I intensified the action I had taken in the first three steps meditating on the step by saying it over and over, going to meetings, following my sponsor's suggestions, reading and searching within myself. During the first three years of sobriety, I had a fear of entering an elevator alone. One day I decided I must walk through this fear. I asked for God's help, entered the elevator, and there in the corner was a lady crying. She said that her husband had died. She was deathly afraid of elevators. I forgot my fear and comforted her. This spiritual experience helped me see how willingness was the key to working the rest of the 12 steps to recovery. God helps those who help themselves. Thank you for reading, Keith. There's a lot there. Before we get started, can you share your sobriety date with us? I can. My sobriety date is March 13th, 2017. Wonderful. So as you read this, what comes to mind for you first? The first thing that came to mind was when I arrived at the doorstep of AA, I didn't, I didn't have a God to help me with my fear. I tried to manage fears myself and had very little success. That led to more frustration, more reasons for drinking, and sort of this perfect destructive feedback loop that became my chronic alcoholism. And 
how far along in the steps have you gone? I have gone through all 12 steps twice. I actually, after a couple of years in the program, went back out for four days, forgot uh, momentarily how I was staying sober, got back into the program. My sponsor took me back through the 12 steps. So yeah, I have been through the steps twice and, and lived them each day. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And relapse is a part of my story as well. I'm just curious about what that felt like. I mean, how long had you had in the program before you went back out? I had been I had been enjoying this program, all the fruits and promises of this program for two years. And on a beautiful Thursday afternoon, not a cloud in the sky, not a worry in my mind, I went and bought a uh, large bottle of bourbon. I went in my basement and I drank it. I was the same scoundrel that I was uh, two years hence. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to socialize. I just wanted to drink. And again, I'm often asked about that. And the best explanation I can give is I forgot how I was staying sober. And I didn't. Thanks for sharing that. I know it was a painful time. What do you mean by I forgot how I was staying sober specifically? Well, I <laughs> this program um, has uh, blessed me in so many ways. Perspective is one of those ways. Uh, when I came into this program, I genuinely believed that I was at the center of the universe. At least that's how I acted and how I behaved and how I responded to other people. Through working the steps of this program, I understand my role. I understand how I can contribute real value to the people that I care about, the AA community. And I understand the things I can and cannot control. You know, um, I think control, the need to control things, the need to believe that I could control things is probably a much more accurate way to put that. Took me to places where um, I forgot, I forgot to do the work. You know, I was showing up in meetings and, um, and that's what I was doing. I was showing up in meetings. And when I stopped doing the work, it's like they say, you're either moving away from a drink or towards a drink. And that's what happened to me. And again, it was that fast you know, a couple of years in the program. And it, it wasn't like I felt a struggle. I just had no defense against that first drink. And, and there it was in my hand, and then it was gone. And that was the next four days. And again, Providence, uh, my higher power, shone on me um, in a way that I couldn't ignore it after four days. And I called my sponsor, and my sponsor, God love him, took me through the steps again. And that's what happened. I'm wondering if you want to talk a little bit about the initial awareness of the fact that you're an alcoholic and what, what led you to come to the yeah. program of recovery? Sure. Uh, I drank for a long time. Uh, I drank for 35 years before I came into the program in December of 2014. And for a number of those years, alcohol was a significant component of my life, but I felt I was managing things enough in the background. I was living through a relationship, a marriage, a 22-year marriage that was falling apart. 
at no time in my adulthood did I ever develop the skills I needed to communicate about the things that I needed to communicate to save my marriage. And I watched that situation get worse and worse. And my only response to that situation was drinking more and more. And then one day it was all out of control and there was no putting that genie back in the bottle. It was, I had stepped over that line and then it was a matter of maintenance and survival. What brought me into the program was a second trip to detox in the way we read in the book, the big book, about an alcoholic having, uh, uh, you know, um, falling prey to his, his disease at the most inopportune times. My son was graduating from college. It was to be a major family affair. People were flying in. Everyone was prepared for a, a celebration, a family celebration. A week before that this, this was supposed to take place, I began a week-long uh, bender wound up in the hospital, and I was in detox on the day that my son graduated from college. And with all of the despicable things, unhealthy things, unsafe things I had done to that point, there was something about that, you know, uh, trying to set an example for your child, raise your child to know the difference between right and wrong, you know, be there for important things for people you care about. And I had my face stuck to a plastic mattress cover in a detox on the Saturday morning that he graduated. That feeling of utter despair and helplessness against this disease was what got me into my first AA meeting. The promises tell us that we won't regret the past, nor will we wish to shut the door on it. And yet, Sometimes I think things like this that we do, especially to our kids, like just doesn't ever leave us, but it's part of our story. And I guess we can use it to help others. The reading talks a lot about fear. The title is Walking Through Fear. And then the story talks about the woman who decides to walk through fear and using God to get on the elevator and then able to help another person. Can you talk to us a little bit about fear in your life? I can. I can. I, I absolutely can. Uh, so for the first uh, 53 years of my life, I didn't deal with fear. I walked up to fear, but I could never say that I honestly walked through fear. I used alcohol to manage all of the uncomfortable feelings that I had. And the more uncomfortable I became, the more alcohol I used. I mean, that's how I managed fear until I came into AA. And then I, I, I think I sort of went through three phases. The first phase was sort of what I described to you related to missing my son's graduation. There was such a sense of utter despair that uh, that I had on that December day that that carried me forward into the program. That allowed me to open the door to the rest of my life as I heard someone describe the program so beautifully. To that point, I you know I knew I was an alcoholic, but I didn't really care. You know, all I cared about was drinking. And it was it was that sense of incomprehensible demoralization, I believe is what the book calls it, that gave me the strength to do that thing, which was to show up for a meeting and then sweaty, 
incredibly uncomfortable. And I'm an uncomfortable guy anyway, compounded in this meeting. And we get to the part where they say, if you need a sponsor, raise your hand. I did that. That's not me. You know, I'm not the guy who's going to do that. I'm the guy who's going to get in that meeting and get out of that meeting, making as little contact, eye or physical, uh, with anyone as I could. And I did. I raised my hand. And that began that began an incredibly satisfying, in, in word, rewarding, enriching relationship uh, with a sponsor who I still have, who I've learned an enormous amount from. So that's sort of the first phase was this desperation that brought me in and allowed me to kind of work through my fear. Then after only a little while, I saw happy people all around me. And even though I wasn't working the program, I was seeing testimony to the program in people who I trusted. You know, they weren't making this up. There was something going on in the lives of these people that I didn't have. And when I heard them tell their story, they sounded as messed up as me. So I said, okay, Joe, my sponsor, I'll go do those things. Uh, I'll do the service work. Uh, I'll get down on my knees and pray with you. I'll do those things because I see what's happening in other people's lives. So uh, through this herd wellness that we get to witness at meetings, I had uh, sort of, uh, I had another infusion of strength to walk through fear. And then the sort of the third and and uh, final chapter in in walking through fear, at least for me, at least to this point, is the steps working in my life. Is me working this program, me for the first time doing a searching and fearless uh, moral inventory of myself and understanding where my fears come from. I never thought about that. I just used to get mad all the time. And then we started talking about, okay, what happened? What happened in you? What got animated in me when someone acted a certain way? And there it was. It was my pride, my ego, my selfishness, my insecurity, all those things that I have every morning when I wake up. But I didn't do anything about them. I had no awareness of them. I had no perspective on them. And then when I came in and I worked this program, I started to see those things, see how they were working in my life. So today I still get afraid, but I think about what is going on? What are you afraid of? I have an insight through this program and through a higher power that allows me to look at the things that scare me in a completely different way. It doesn't mean I don't get scared. It just means I don't sit in it. That's so powerful. And I love hearing the, the, the stories of how this program is actually working. And uh, that's what I'm hearing today. So from the second step where you're aware of this higher power work in your life and, and making a decision in the third step and then doing the fearless, fearless and searching moral inventory and sharing that with your sponsor. Now we move into, into six and seven. I'm curious, before we leave the second step, tell me a little bit about this this conception of a higher power, is that something that you had prior to coming into the program? Well, Michael, I went to church as a young man. I, I, have, I have a sense that there is force at work in my life 
and in the world around me that is not of me or my control under my control. So I had a sort I had a vague sense of a higher power, but I didn't have a specific sense of a higher power and I didn't have a sense of how a higher power could be put to work in my life, you know, how I could tap into a higher power. So you mentioned the sixth and seventh step when I wake up in the morning, you know, one of the things I learned from my experience 2 years into this program was this has to be a daily thing and often many more times than daily, but this has to be a way for me to start my day. Every morning I wake up, I acknowledge to my higher power, I am an alcoholic. I am an alcoholic who has these defects. Please take away those defects that you see fit to take away from me today so I can be of maximum service to you. So yes, I had a sense of a higher power. I knew there was something out there I had no idea how to relate myself to that higher power. And I feel like I do now. I love that morning routine. And I'm, I'm curious because a lot of people that are listening either have never walked into the rooms of, of this 12-step recovery program, or maybe they're just brand new. What does it specifically feel like when your higher power removes defects of character or helps you in your life today? How do you know that that's happening? So much of many of the struggles that I have are struggles of, of me versus higher power, what I control, you know, the things that I have a right to be involved in, and the things that I have a right to expect to influence the outcome on. That's an area where my view of the world, my view of relationships with people I care about, my view of my responsibility to others within and outside of the program has changed uh, dramatically. So I feel like when I have a sense of balance, which happens more often than not anymore, about where my time and energy is going, about me not being in the results game, that's not me. You know, my my nature is to get in there and fiddle with all of it and then take credit for everything and then just walk the other way when something goes bad. I mean, that's the guy that I would be if I didn't have this program. So I know my higher power is working in me when I'm not that guy. You know, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, it did. It did. Indeed. So, Keith, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Is there any final thoughts you'd like to share with the audience before we we wrap? Well, I would say this to anybody out there who is struggling. I drank for a long time. And when I came into this program, I honestly believed that there was nothing that was going to keep me from drinking myself to death. And that hasn't happened. So I am testimony to how this program worked in one life, in my life. I know it's not me. If there's any silver lining to drinking for a long time and wanting to quit desperately as I did for many years, I know the power to quit drinking is not within me. So if you're struggling to to find a higher power, if you're struggling to walk through whatever fears are keeping you out of the rooms or away from working the program, it worked for me, and I am incredibly grateful. 
That's beautiful. Thank you so much for, for agreeing to come and share with us on the program. It's been a pleasure and I haven't gotten to see you or hear you for a while. And it's just a blessing to be able to do that today. Thanks for coming, Keith. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. You can find us on Twitter at daily reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day. This podcast produced by Lee McGinnis and Michael Lynn. Audio editing services by Jeff Bain.